five, four, three, two, one, zero. Lupin zero, that is. And we're back to discuss the <laughs> latter half of this uh, brand new prequel series. I am Vague Revolutionary Chris. Also joining me are Bad Flowers Natalie. What's up? Daisy's dad has got it going on, according to Emma. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> oh, Bowie Boy Ian. Yay. Hi, everybody. And Whiskey Plumber Drew. Hey, howdy. And uh, welcome to Cyburns and Cigarettes, a Loop on the Third podcast, a podcast about a monkey faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. We are covering all of the animated and live action entries of the Loop on the Third franchise in, in mostly chronological order. And as uh, my good co-host Chris just mentioned, it's a it's a bittersweet episode today, Lupontic folks, as we're wrapping up our coverage on Lupin Zero. We are, I mean, speaking for all of us, we're going to miss this series dearly, but at the same time, we've still got three amazing episodes to dive into. And joining us once again to discuss episodes four through six is a very special guest. You may know him as Zoid9000 on Twitter, the English translator and localizer of Lupin Zero, along with a number of other great series, all-around sweetheart, and as far as we're concerned, the king of Lupin dialogue, Ian. Oh, How's it going, Ian? Hell yeah, thank you. <laughs> Man, that, is, that is an honor. I want that printed on a trophy or a certificate or something. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm super happy to be back. I'm very, very excited to talk about this because I have kept my mouth shut about episode five for so long. You have no idea. <laughs> though, though, remember when we talked last, me being like Oliver Twist was just like, please say, yes, yes, I gave crumb. you guys some crumbs. And, and, you, <laughs> and you gave us a really good crumb because you said we were going to be eating very well. Mm -hmm. And Ooh, Holy yes. shit! Oh, <laughs> good lord! Oh god! Um, my thirst, my thirst has been quenched. Quenched. Thank you, my good sir. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, before we get into the episodes themselves, just a little bit of house cleaning. Um, uh, uh, when I previously mentioned the series, I had just said it was directed by Daisuke Sako and written by. Uh, Ichiro Okuichi, but there are actually a number of other screenwriters and directors involved that, you know, their names have been released as the series has gone on, so I'm going to run through those. So episode one was directed by Daisuke Sako. Episodes one, three, five, and six were written by Ichiro Okuichi. Episode two was written by Hiroki Uchida and directed by Nobuo Tomizawa. Episode three was directed by Yoshitomo Yonetane. Uh, episode four was written by Ko Yoneyama, directed by Koichiro Kuroda, um, uh, Ryuta Imaizumi, and Yasuo Tsuchiya. Episode 5 was directed by Yoshitaka Koyama and Yasuo Tsuchiya. And episode 6 was directed by Daisuke Sako, Nobuo Tomizawa, Keiko Oyamada, and Yoshitomo Yonetani. That's a number of directors, but you know, turned out a hell of an episode, but we'll get to that in time. And uh, of course, we'll be discussing episode four, Claim the Whiskey Pipe, episode five, The Man Who Operates in Secret, and episode six, Young Lupin Claims the Title of the Third. So we'll do our our general roundtable for the uh, all three of these episodes here, starting with uh, Ian. So Ian, how do you feel about these three right here? Uh, I think I'm in love. <laughs> um, suffice to say that, like, we talked about it last time, that this is, like, one of the best Lupin-related things to come out in a while. But I feel like mm -hmm. 
the the triple punch of four, five, and six really seals the deal. Um, I think it's actually interesting if you look at it. I think four is kind of the peak of zaniness and like fun, and then five is where you kind of got some of that serious plot kicking in, and then six is kind of a mix of both. The first half is zany fun, and then the later half is you know oh character development and stuff. So it's kind of interesting to look at these three as all in one. Personally speaking, my favorite is episode four. It will always be episode four. I love the, the shit out of that episode, not just because it's really <laughs> fun and it's got like so much, like just, I don't know, everything about what I love about Lupin as a series and the idea of like adolescent boys trying to steal whiskey so they can, you know, get drunk <laughs> off their asses. <laughs> but the fact that in the in the middle of doing it, they proceed to like, you know, uh, break the pipe open and then everyone just gets drunk. <laughs> Um, but it was also my favorite episode from a translation standpoint, just cause I, I love getting to deal with drunk, you know, crazy dialogue. Cause it's always just fun. Um, and the fact they made a pun at the end, just, it's like, you know, the cherry on top for me. <laughs> uh, episode five, I really like too, because like I said earlier, it's got some of that serious plot development. And in terms of, uh, being able to see young Lupin and just him get his absolute shit wrecked by someone is like kind of shocking right you're like oh yeah he's mm-hmm. usually like you know in control of everything but this time it's like no he opens the door and kind of gets super cocky and the guy instantly almost tries to kill him and it's like whoa i will say episode five was probably the most annoying from a translation standpoint for a reason which might surprise you in that uh at the very beginning when they are at the drive-in theater they're watching uh some sort of western movie right the two lines of dialogue from the actual movie that they quote are from actual movies. Uh, And so it's annoying because they're in Japanese, which have been originally translated from English. And so if I want to maintain the reference, I have to go look up what the original line is. I can't just translate Mm. it from the Japanese. Like I have a rough idea, but we're talking about movies that are like super old and like, you know, we can't just like whip them up. So I spent like a whole morning just looking up one line. Oh, wow. Um, If you're curious, the two movies are... Death rides a horse, which I believe the the line was something to the effect of, "If they want to kill me, they got to get my okay." That one was mm-hmm. easy to find because I guess it's pretty <laughs> significant. But the other one, the other quote was from Rio Bravo. I don't know if you've ever seen Rio Bravo, but I've seen both of those films actually. Yeah, there's so. a, Rio Bravo has a sheriff and his like motley team trying to protect this town, and one of them is an mm-hmm. old man. I can't remember his name. He has a cute nickname, but it's a quote from the old man, and it's oh, it was so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but once I did it, I was like, yay, I can move on <laughs> to the next part of this episode. But yeah, no, that episode was really good too. Um, and of course, we can't talk about episode five without mentioning the Lupin's first heist, which was mm. Jigen's heart and also all of our hearts, I assume. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. It was very interesting to watch that scene unfold for the first time because it's like, I think you all can relate, but it's like, oh, are we do are we doing this? Is this what's happening? Like, especially the the like the heartbeat noise, like like that was so prominent. It was like, okay, mm-hmm. wow, I see what we're doing here. Yeah, it was funny. Once once I finished that episode, I had to turn around. Uh, there's a person in our QC department who's also a big Lupin fan, and I was like, you are not going to believe what just happened. <laughs> um, so, and then uh, episode six. I think is really good just for the fact that it, you know, sticks the landing, which I'm sure I think as an anime fan, a lot of us have that kind of, I don't know, 
sort of semi PTSD from other shows that were like really good in the beginning. You're like, Oh yeah. And then you get to the end and they just completely drop the ball. So seeing, seeing it carried through here was, was very, uh, a big relief and put a big smile on my face. Um, the fact that they didn't like, I don't know, try too hard to like make it connect to anything or continue. It was just nice, short, sweet. And it ended as it started with, you know, Lupin and Jigen, uh, hanging out and having a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say from a translation perspective, episode six posed a bit of a challenge in the scene where uh, Yoko, you know, talks about what gaucho means to her. And I think it's interesting because it is, I guess, a little open to interpretation because we don't really know a lot about them as characters besides the few small scenes were shown. But my impression was that uh, I guess Yoko was at a low point of her life at you know, for whatever reason. And Gaucho was there and she kind of saw him as this uh, guy who was really motivated to live and seek these thrills through his revolutions. And he became uh, a tether is the word I chose. In Japanese, they use the word kusari, which is like more of a chain. But I feel like chain has a very negative nuance in English, whereas in Japanese, it's Mm. a bit more, uh, it can be negative, but it also has a more positive meaning in the sense of like, chaining people together like links you know so i I use the word tether because she says you know he was my tether and it can be taken two ways you know it can be taken as the you know he kept me tied down like you know like an animal or it can be like he tied me to life or whatever so that that i had to i had to stop and like go home and sleep on that for a while and i talked to my coworker too to just try to work through that scene because it it's such a short scene but it's so like the dialogue is very nuanced and I wanted to make sure that was adequately portrayed in the English. So, um, and I think Yoko and Gaucho as characters are very interesting because they are in a sense, sort of a, uh, a comparison to Lupin and Jigen in, in the sense mm. that two people that meet and inspire each other in different ways to do different things. And I guess that kind of speaks to the, the theme of Lupin Zero overall. Anyway, so those were all my immediate thoughts and all the little things I wrote notes about before we started. So uh, suffice to say, five thumbs up from me. Oh, heck yeah. All right, so let's see. Uh, Emma, how did you feel about these three episodes? <sighs> so I did write notes and I told myself multiple times throughout the day, remember your fucking notes. And then I get it in my car which is a half mile away from my office. So I walk back and forth, get in my car, turn on my car, realize that I forgot my notes oh, no. while the song Help Me Rhonda by the Beach Boys. <laughs> 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 and I was like, Unfortunately, Rhonda never came to help. No. And I told Drew this and he goes, well, at least you documented the most important note. <laughs> which was very inappropriate. (laughs) 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 Involving the C word (laughs) and a certain character serving said C word. I'm not going to say it on the recording because I don't want it. Like that could be, that could be really bad. (laughs) So I already loved the first half. And I just rewatched all six episodes over the weekend too, which is very easy to do. I mean, it like takes like a total of like maybe two hours and a 
two hours and 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Not very long at all. Um, so I already love the first half and what Ian said about like worrying about sticking the landing. Absolutely. That was actually something I said at the very beginning. I was like, God, I really hope it sticks the landing and doesn't just go off into left field. Um, which, yeah, anybody that has been an anime fan knows that that is an incredibly realistic thing to happen. Uh, and Lupin, too. Uh, that happens with Lupin quite often. Um, we've talked about before where entries are either, like, a couple episodes too long or, like, 15 to 20 minutes too long if it's a special or a movie. I don't feel that way with this at all. In fact, it felt like it was too short. <laughs> I was like, when it ended, I was like, Damn it. (laughs) But I also was like, it it didn't stay long enough to become the villain either. Episode four is so cute and so fun. Like Ian said, it is like such like, it is really like the high of the wacky hijinks. Um, They truly act like kids in that episode. Like just degenerate teenage boys. Uh, I'm pretty sure like, I didn't, like, come up with a plot to, like, steal whiskey, but I definitely was coming up with, like, shit to, like, that probably wasn't legal (laughs) when I was that age. Um, And definitely not with the finesse that those two have. And I like that um, Jigen's lighter is busted through the entire thing and he's mad. And I'm like, God, that's just them uh, as adults, but in uh, kid form which is really nice to see and see how their relationship progresses because they are first like kind of arguing with each other and then they get hit with the whiskey and they start getting goofy, which I'm like, man, when I drank whiskey, I would try fighting everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So good on them, I guess. Um, Surprised we didn't get sick off that much whiskey too. Um, because <laughs> they, they look like they ingested a lot. It, it's just such, and the scene where they're in front of the fire um, is really precious, um, which leads me into uh, episode five with their interaction at the end, um, which was obviously a highlight for so many people, uh, myself included. I love that. One of my favorite things about Lupin is that everybody, like, there's close relationships involved, but there's no real label on what the relationships are. And that's even clear here. Um, Do I view it a certain way? Absolutely. Uh, But it doesn't have to be. Because to me, it's just them forming that bond overall. And it's obviously a very poignant moment. And it's really neat to see that out of, get like, teenage boys. There's love between teenage boys. And that, to me, is just something that's not really often portrayed uh, in a healthy light. Especially not in, like, Japanese media. <laughs> especially not with characters like Jigen and Lupin. Because um, like, you would think, like, oh, they're, like, definitely more traditional masculine and stuff. I also liked too with that when i'm talking about that right now um royce alexis royce on twitter brought up that lupon the first stole somebody's heart as a heist basically literally (laughs) and then lupon 
who ends up being the third, stole somebody's heart as his first heist, but metaphorically. And when they said that, I was like, boom, just hit me right in the face. I was like, dude, awesome. I didn't even come up with that parallel. And I was like, that is so cool. If that is truly the intent, which I got, I hope it was, um, makes it that much more powerful to me. Episode six, if I had any any sort of critique, it would be like the whole Gacho storyline. Because it kind of comes out like in episode five when Lupin gets his shit wrecked. Um, and so it wasn't, they still formulated his story and like a background for him. I almost kind of wish there had just been a little bit more to like kind of tie up some loose ends. Same with Yoko. But Yoko also strikes me as like a very like Fujiko-like character. There's a lot of air of mystery to her. Like Ian said, episode six has that serious part. But it also has the wacky hijinks, which I'm going to get into right now. That chase scene, I watched a hundred times. <laughs> it was so good. So funny. Every And I remember when I first watched it, I messaged Drew. I was like, oh, Chris is going to love this. I was like, this is so, like, Tex Avery level. Like, it is just wild from start to finish. There's so much going on. There's so much noise happening from both of them, which is, like, a really nice familial touch. Um, And I like the elevator sounds when, like, the doors and, like, when he hops down. (laughs) Ding dong! (laughs) And then... When he falls, when Lupin the Second falls down the stairs and he jumps up and his legs literally like spin, it is so good. And I watched that literally. Yeah, I somebody clipped it on Twitter and I just watched it over and over and over again. So I'll go into Shinobu first. <laughs> I love Shinobu. I like she kind of took the back seat for me at first in comparison to Yoko, mainly because Yoko was in the front. And then it kind of like switched uh, for me, especially like when you see a woman roundhouse kick somebody in the face in a dress and like silk panties, like that that just kind of grabs your heart a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I want to know more of her and I want to know more of Lupin the Second. I will pay money to see a telecom animated series of those two. Yes. Some of the most compelling and interesting side characters in a while. I don't need to really specify like my feelings. Only about the second. My name is Dilf Hunter on here um, right now. Um, the bring back of Furukawa was honestly... Like, I thought it was cool when, like, it, it, like, was announced, but, like, seeing it in action just was so awesome. Because not only it's like, oh, hey, we're going to bring you back your only part, like, ever in this franchise was Fuma Conspiracy, which I we know how, like, that went. So not even, like, that connection, but, like, Lupin's voice when he's an adult is of a higher pitch, and so is Lupin the Second's of a higher pitch. And I think that was so neat to have that tie-in between the two. Um, whether or not, again, it was intentional, I don't know, but like, it just seemed like a really nice point to me to like 
just the animation on Lupin the second was just so good at all times. All of his mannerisms are just Lupin the third uh, <laughs> when he grows up. I think Chris said it very eloquently. The apple fell off the tree and then rolled up against it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that really hits the nail on the head. I know in terms of like if they ever dub this series, I mentioned bringing back like a Lupin the third actor that hasn't often done like David Hayter. Um, oh would be awesome in the role. This was so fun for me. And I, like said, I wish that it had been a little bit longer, but at the same time, I don't. And I just, it, it reignited a flame in me. And I have not stopped thinking about this series since uh, last Friday. Um, and a couple of random notes before uh, I move on that I didn't really fit into my talking about it, but I just wanted to bring up let Shinobu take a nap. <laughs> she has to be exhausted. Definitely. I mean, you're dealing with teenage Lupin, which God, and then you're dealing with his dad. God. I love the scene where she's downstairs and she's just looking at the screwed up rug and she goes, oh, God, I'm going to have to buy a new rug. And I'm like, that's so relatable. She has to do all the cleaning, not just of like the bad guys, but all the like shenanigans that the boys get into. It's like, wow. Yeah. And she looks like so like, uh. <laughs> I was like, I know that woman is not getting paid enough. No, it's literally giving Walter from Helsing vibes. You Seriously. Know? <laughs> just like you are the control of the zoo, basically. Yeah. You are the zookeeper. And I'm sorry. Her circus, her monkeys. <laughs> yeah, literally her monkeys. <laughs> Another point. Uh, uh, so we talked about Lupin. Uh, the first not being a very nice man, Lupin the second. I think he is a nice man. <laughs> you know I'm putting the song right here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I have to write this down. Just to say, but does he get angry sometimes? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really all I have um, for right now. Uh, I'm sure I'll get into more later as more people bring stuff up, but that's really all my thoughts on it so far. Alrighty, so Chris, how do you feel about this trio? Well, Emma's already touched on a few points you know, that I had. A few by actually quoting me. <laughs> and... <laughs> you. Thunder. But, you know, and, you know, she saves me from having to do it. But uh, I will point out that there's been like one or two instances in each episode that I wasn't a fan of. And it's usually just like nitpicks. You know, just like really small, most insignificant things. Episode four is flawless. I couldn't even nitpick it. <laughs> now, it's not my favorite episode of the series. That's still uh, uh, the third episode. But that's due to the fact I'm the manga scholar, I guess. <laughs> and also, this is not really related to this batch, but since last time I actually went and read The Hollow Needle, and The Hollow Needle becoming a obstacle course training ground, you know, for Arsene Lupin and his cohorts. It It's a very logical progression. Tell me more how you love the hollow needle as a... Oh, it's so freaking good, man. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but also real quick, does it make um 
would you rewatch episode four of the Netflix Lupin series now that you know about the hollow needle? Cause it's literally oh, the hollow that? needle. Oh man. Yeah. I, I really need to go back and rewatch that series anyway, <laughs> okay. just because I really enjoy it. But yeah. Do I that and call that, me yeah, in the right. morning, honey. Yeah. Right. But anyway, um, yeah. Episode four, um, even if I try it, I can't find it anything to complain about. It was just, it was just, just so much fun from start to finish. I really like the, uh, you know, the historical aspect with the U.S., you know, military being in Japan. Mm. Uh, I admit I'm not much of a Japanese history buff. So I don't have a whole lot of actual historical context, but uh, I'm sure that makes the episode even better if I did. But uh, I also want to say that I think my favorite thing about this entire series is the character of Lupin II. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's so good, man. It's like, Again, it's like, you know, he is what Lupin III grows up to be. You know, like, you know, like his mannerisms, like uh, the way he interacts with Shinobu feels very much like Lupin and Fujiko as adults. Uh, I really like that. Uh, again, that chase sequence was just beautiful. I loved every second of it, especially the uh, the hole in the wall bit. Um, let's see, I also really dug the uh, explanation of the Walter P-38. Uh, for episode six, though, I, I gotta admit, I'm not the biggest fan of how Yoko's uh, story ended. You know, she one of the uh, titles I suggested for us to for me to introduce everybody with uh, this time was "Refrigerated Singer." That so, was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> you know, if you're familiar with the term "women in, in refrigerators," that's yeah, that's pretty much exactly what happened with Yoko and I was not a fan of that. Yeah, basically she's, um, what was it in Jigen's Gravestone? Like Queen Malta? Yeah. Yeah. Although I think it was worse with Yoko because she actually had a bit more characterization. Than Queen Malta, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then but then she dies in order to make the guys sad. And that, yeah, that, that really rubbed me the wrong way, but everything else was, you know, was just so strong, didn't bother me too much. Alright. Feel free to cut this part out. But I will say... That in episode five, when our hero says that he is going to make his first heist as Lupin the Third, my reaction is like, "Yes!" Then he actually pulls off heist. I'm just like, "Oh no!" <laughs> so, like I said, feel free to cut that part out. But I just had to get that um, chest. Um, I get what I get. What you feel, Chris, and I will mention that when I get to my part of my feelings on it, because you're not the only one who felt that way, as I've noticed on Twitter. So, I. I get where I get why you don't feel um, what's the word you don't feel right in saying that, but I am validating you and I will validate you when it gets to be my turn. So beep. Well, thank you. But yeah, I just, yeah, I just did not like that part at all, but, but uh, you know, like Emma pointed out uh, the parallel with what Arsene Lupin uh, did, that's, that is really cool. And I do appreciate the parallel, even if I don't like the, the scene itself. I also was kind of cool seeing Arsene Lupin show up again in the uh, finale even though he really didn't do much of anything. But I like the character, so it's cool to see him again. Albert as well. Also, I've been on the Shinobu train since day one. It's like, it, seems, it, seems, it seems like everybody was like enamored with Yoko, which I get that, so was I. But but no, it's like as soon as we saw Shinobu, it's like I sort of recognize her from the manga. But she is so much cooler here. <laughs> I also really like the uh, Lupin the Second's whole thing of, oh, my boy's hit puberty. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, Chris. So, so one of my notes in the original notes that I wrote, I wrote about that line. 
And I'm glad you said it now because it reminded me of it. Because he said that. He's like, well, I yeah. don't go peeping. And I'm like, why the fuck you lying? <laughs> why the fuck always you lying? Lie? <laughs> why are you always lying? Oh, my God. I was like, dude. Emma, high five, high five, because I thought the same thing. I mean, I mean, doesn't he even say, you know, what, can you blame me, a boy like me, when a hot, you know, living with a hot babe like her? Yeah. <laughs> You should know what kind of lingerie your woman wears. <laughs> also, also, I love how Lupin the Second says that literally like one episode after we see him like like try to get kind of handsy and then get his hand pinched, and you're like, boy, boy, liar. <laughs> like, like legit. I wonder though. Like, did he just always assume that Lupin was not going to peep until puberty? It's like, come on, he's your son. He would he would totally inherit the peeping or at least the perverted gene because it's in there from grandpa to you to your son. Yeah, it's in the blood, man. Lupin the yeah. Lupin's gonna have his own kids, and they're gonna be slight pervert, slight peeping. I mean, I give him a daughter, and she's very much that way. She'd be horny on main like freaking Laszlo. <laughs> okay, see, it's funny you mentioned that because in a. Uh, at least in Tokyopop's version of the manga, there's a chapter where we meet the alleged son of Lupin III, Lupin III Jr. And he's claiming that uh, uh, Fujiko is his mother. And at, at least in the Tokyopop version, she says, it's like, look, I can't be. After all, you know, me and Lupin, we never, you know, did it. And Lupin III Jr. says, the real Fujiko does it all the time. And she says, oh, Lupins are all like. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a, uh, yeah, a genetic thing, I think. But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, overall, I I adored the series. I would, this was exactly the shot in the arm that the franchise needed, especially after part six and to a lesser extent five. And I understand wanting more, but I do feel like, I, th- I think six episodes is good enough. You know, because like, I can I can definitely see this being a situation where I will say to myself, like, yeah, those first six episodes were really great, but I thought the last few were kind of weak. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like what you was saying about not sticking to landing. And so, you know, better to go out on a high note. I always admire series that knows that, that know when to end. I think that's a very mm-hmm. yeah. hard Agreed. thing, especially for a lot of anime and manga creators, because mm-hmm. essentially it's your living. You, you keep as long as you keep making it keeps doing good. You keep going. But. I think at some point yeah. all stories have to have a natural conclusion. And, and I mm-hmm. really admire authors and writers who are like, all right, this is it. And they just let it go. Cause it's, no, it, it gets all the much better for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if it's riding a high, like you see like how well it's doing. Like, obviously like the, you just want to keep generating that, but yeah, it's sometimes better to back away from it. Speaking of which, you guys ever heard about how monkey punch ended the Shin Lupin manga? No. Yeah, he killed off everybody except for Denagata. Anyway, so what what do you think of this episode? Or what do you think of this batch of episodes? So let me start off by saying, um, before I get to the three episodes, that in regards to what we were talking about not not too long ago over the um, the 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 finale and how we want more of this, but it's actually good. It ended on six episodes. I say this because I'm on my thirtieth binge watch of Desperate Housewives right now. And Desperate Housewives <laughs> suffers from the same kind of storytelling the way um, Lupin the Third Part Six was. What I mean to say is, it's not like Part Five where there was like three or four episodes that 
stuck with one storyline before it went to filler. You have to understand with Desperate Housewives, there's four characters, sometimes some other characters. They focus on the four main, and then there's like a mystery every season. And every episode, it feels like, yeah, you want to know more about the lives of these women, of these individual women, but you kind of also want to know the main mystery, which, yeah, their lives tie into it, but you could care less about Lynette dealing with her six kids or my favorite character, Brie, and how she's in the first season, she's trying really hard to still be. Um, with her husband even though he wants a divorce like who cares about that tell me what happened with baby Dana but <laughs> but with Lupin the third part six I am glad that there's only I mean Lupin the third part six with Lupin the third zero Lupin zero I do like that there's only six episodes especially because as much as I loved episode two and episode four they kind and even though there's part um, especially in episode four there was elements that tied it to the main storyline as fun as they were, they felt very fillery, if you know what I mean. They weren't, they can't, I mean, it's like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer filler, where you're going to remember it because they do mention it, but it, it's not really tied to the main storyline. Episode four more so than episode two. That being said, it didn't leave me irritated or upset like Desperate Housewives does because of the fact that there's only six of them and it tied to... It tied to two storylines, one being um, the storyline with Yoko and Gaucho and this um, impending nuclear doom. I like to think that Lupin Zero has three main storylines. That storyline with Gaucho and Yoko, the storyline of legacy with the inclusion of Grandpa Lupin and Lupin II, and the story of friendship or whatever you want to call between Lupin um, and Jigen. And also, in a sense, a fourth one, as I called it, the Les Miserables, Who Am I? Because it's very classic and many stories when it comes to teenagers. Because what what is more cliche or what is more common, excuse me, than a young person trying to figure out their place in the world, especially a young person that is already put or already feels like they're being put on a pedestal because of a legacy. Um these past three episodes, holy crap, were they fun. Even though I called it fillery, the whiskey episode, very fun. Find it adorable. Very much of like how um, shenanigany or how, how much the shenanigans are fun in Lupin the Third in general. Especially because it just it's so Jigen and Lupin to want to steal alcohol. But it's so very teenager-y to want to steal booze. You know, it's something you can't legally have yet, but oh my God, this this pipeline is for us. And then just like getting drunk off of it. <laughs> and as they're like fighting with these American GIs, they're just like so drunk and so out of it. It's just, I found it cute, honestly. <laughs> and the story, you know, with the story of Yoko and Gaucho in episode four, oh Lord, the historian me has to point out yeah, we get it. World War II was not fun. Imperialist uh, Japan did some shit, but America did some shit too after the war. One of them being we, you know, we as America, not we ourselves, <laughs> but as a, um, as a country, we decided, yeah, we already nuked them with, we already nuked them. We're going to make sure that we create their own, uh, we're going to create a government modeled after us and we're going to keep tabs on them to the point where it's a little bit degrading. So um, it felt a little jarring 
to watch um, America's presence in Japan at that time. But as a historian, I was like, oh, I read about this. I know this was bad, but I didn't think I'd have to confront this. But then again, it's a media represented by Japan. It's not a media represented in America. If it was, they wouldn't have done that. <laughs> they would have sugarcoat the shit out of that. Yeah. Um, so going on to episode five, um, I love how we get more Lupin Jigen. And I will get into what I was mentioning with Chris earlier. But the one thing I will mention is um, I love how we get more Arsene Lupin, um, the first I love that this time it's not women in his bed, it's men, which get it, get it by grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he loves all the flavors, give him all the flavors. And I'm like, respect. I also find it funny that he's probably naked under that bed, as are those boys. And right next to him is the gayest of gayest characters for the future, Albert, reading Baudelaire's Le Fleur de Mal, or the, literally translated to the, the evil flowers or the bad flowers, which is, if you ever get a chance, read it, because there is a there, it's has been translated into English. Um, it's literally a French book of poetry that was so controversial at its time because it was so horny on Maine Oh God, but it's, it, it's, there's beautiful poems and then there's very horny on main poems. So Albert, a child reading that while gay sex is possibly going on in that bed. Hmm. Fitting. <laughs> Next thing you know, I know for a fact that little kid is going to be reading the Marquis de Sade <laughs> sometime down that line. So get it, Albert. That's why we love you. That's why I love you. But also I do love how Lupin the second in that moment with Shinobu very Lupin and Fujiko, as other people have mentioned. And um, now let me get to the Did I Steal Your Heart or Lupin's First Heist. Now, let me be the first one to say I get where people are coming from. Those of the, those are those who do, who do not see or I don't want to say choose to ignore it, but they prefer Lupin and Jigen, the best friend element, or as I like to call it, Sam and Frodo. I see you, I validate you. Because originally, especially in the manga, it was very much a best friend relationship. You don't see a lot, you don't really see a lot of homoerotic tones in the manga. That I do understand. But also, over the years in the, in the series, especially in the anime, there's been a lot, and I mean a lot, of gay subtext. And... I, I don't know, like, I do validate you. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not in I do validate your feelings. But I cannot ignore the fact that there's the gay subtext. That being said, 10% of me kind of wants them to be just best friends, that um, Lupin has Fujiko and Jigen finds a woman down the road. But we all know that's not going to happen. I just do that for fan fiction, because it's fun. But I still keep them a polycule. But yeah, I, I don't ignore, as, as someone who is gay, um, queer herself, I don't ignore the gay subtext, but I can see where some people do really want the best friend aspect. And it is a very, and it's still very much a best friend aspect. Heck, I consider my best, my best friend Maria to be the Jigen to my Lupin, because maybe in another life we could have been a couple, but this is just, <laughs> this is just how it is best friend she's marrying someone else and i'm just happy just being there along for the ride as her bestie that's literally lupon and jigen right there <laughs> now let's get to episode six. Oh boy because episode six what a great finale but i will start off with i i find it funny that the revolutionary guy is named gaucho because that's literally spanish for cowboy 
that's what they're called in in Argentina. They're called gauchos. Mm. So it's like, is he supposed to be Argentinian? Is he supposed to be just a generic Latino man? Who's to say? Well, remember his mark. his true name and his nationality, all that stuff is like supposed to be secret. So I always assumed gaucho was like a a nickname of sorts. It wasn't really mm-hmm. yeah. meant to be like a name name. No, mm-hmm. so I I want to say he's got to be Latino. As a token Latina myself, mm-hmm. like, come on, let's have some Latino representation in Lupin, please. <laughs> Thank you. Um, episode six, chasing very tech savory. I love how when I watched that episode with my roommates, Robbie um, was like, that's very Scooby-Doo. And I looked at him like, you know what? Lupin is very on par with Scooby-Doo. There, I watch Scooby-Doo and I think I'm honestly watching Lupin the third, except without, without, the sexuality in it. <laughs> uh, and I'm talking about 70s, 60s, 70s, uh, Scooby-Doo. Also, Shinobu, gotta love her, giving off straight Walter from Helsing vibes with like, oh dear, this floor is messy. I also love how um, the reason why Lupin has a Walter is because of his dad. If mm. you take this gun from me, you win. And that was literally his parting gift to his son. And also that's just a cute moment between son and um, father right there. Um, where even he's like, when they're talking about if you're getting in this line of work, because it doesn't surprise me that they went with the storyline of Lupin's dad wanting Lupin to be going on the path of straight and narrow. I'm not a parent, but I have friends who are parents and I'm very close with my mom. But all parents want for any of us kids is to be happy and to do well in our lives. They don't think of us as doing anything bad. We could do something terrible and they would still love us. But they want us to be on that straight and narrow path, essentially. And it doesn't surprise me that Lupin's dad wanted that for him. I don't want this life for you. But he tell, but he kind of encourages him after, he, after Lupin wins and says, listen, if you're going to get into this life, don't forget, it's going to be a hard one. Because you may steal something, but you you may always lose something. Mm. And I love that subtlety of like, what, Dad? You've you've lost something, and it's like he doesn't say what is it he lost. But the fanfic writer in the back of my head is like, I knew it. It has to be either he lost Lupin's mother, or just some someone else very important in his life. I'm not going to say what Lupin's dad lost in my story. You'll have to read it. <laughs> I, I also took it, and I know we talked about it. Uh, on a side note, uh, I talked about like losing his son at that moment. Yes, that is also how I mm-hmm. interpreted it. That's another yeah. one too. Like, yeah, I'm losing you because I wanted you to not be in this life. But if, but at the same time, all our, again, all our parents ever want for us is to be happy. And in that moment, it's very much like, yeah, I'm losing you. But if this is what you want, you know, fry, fly free, little bird. <laughs> I'm kind of, I guess, proud of you. <laughs> Um, and then I'm going to come up with that finale, wh- how this ties into the finale and Yoko. I agree with you, Chris. Yoko was very much refrigerated. I love that. Tr- I love and I hate that trope because that trope is just so prevalent. Cough, cough, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Cough. But I'm not upset by it at all. And I'll say why. Being a thief. I'm sorry for that long pause. <laughs> but we've mentioned so many times on the show that while Lupin can be a knight in shining armor, can have funny, sany moments, he is a criminal. He does he does bad things. He does criminalish things. He hangs out with criminal people. He hangs out with bad people. He has to deal with people who are way worse than he is. So 
his life is not sunshine, rainbows, and ponies. There's going to be some hardship. And it doesn't surprise me at all because I wrote this in fan fiction, but it was his mother taking a bullet for him. So again, you'll have to read it. It doesn't surprise me that his one of his first big heists had a casualty. Not just a casualty, but a casualty that probably left trauma and probably sticks with him for the rest of his career. Because while, yes, I don't like that Yoko was refrigerated from a storytelling standpoint, because, again, this is what I love about the mediums that I watch. It's it's storytelling. I'm very much I studied storytelling so much as a theater major. I understand why they did it. And it works. Because now, as Lupin continues his career in thievery, he can always have that in his in the back of his mind of whether it's can whether you believe it in, as canon or not. Because you know, the Lupin canon is what what canon? <laughs> There's canon. I didn't think there was canon. Anyways, whether you think about it or not, he's always going to have that moment in the back of his head. Like, I know the risks I take every time I do A, B, C, and D, because I've lost a person who was very near and dear to me. So I gotta come at this from a different perspective or a new point of view. So that's how I see it. And to finalize my thoughts, <laughs> I just love how this was the, their first heist, big heist together. Jigen blowing up cannons is just so adorable. And I know Drew, you're gonna mention that big old shit grin he has. Not even shit grin, just like adorable kitty grin. Like I've never shot a gun this big before. Whoa, Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> and oh god they brought back green jacket they brought back the green jacket <laughs> so yeah that was the notes i've had but this is just the high i've been writing since um the series ended so that's my points drew what do you got <laughs> oh boy um <laughs> <laughs> That was your that was your best impersonation of Chris when he talked about that deep McDonald's lore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my legacy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So unlike many of my co-hosts here, I unfortunately did not write any notes, but I have many thoughts. So I'm going to be rambling again. So I apologize in advance, but oh. Oh man. So obviously when uh, when we last spoke I was uh, really, really, really enjoying this series. And uh, th- this series has had like this progression of each episode just being even better than the last one for the first three. Then episode four happened. And that is the most delighted I have been watching Lupin since I started watching Lupin. Like that, that th- just the, uh, the unabashed like silliness of it. And uh, this will tie into a wider point I have about Lupin Zero in general, but it, it really does feel like a celebration of, you know, part one in general. And it felt like episode four was kind of like the biggest tribute you could have to the Miyazaki Takahata era of part one, all the way down to... um one of my favorite moments like 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 i was enjoying the episode like fully but the moment that i just got the biggest smile on my face is the moment hey you know the whiskey like you know lupin and jigen they get a big intake of whiskey they like both burp and hiccup and have like the really <laughs> really goofy like kind of loosely drawn faces but it is the moment when they start just fucking with the the u.s soldiers 
with like they have like you know the science dummy on like a fishing rod like waving it around and then when they get spotted lupon jumps from the top pipe opens his jacket and just the entire contents of what was in their hideout just suddenly appears like I think there's even a gag of like a whole refrigerator almost hitting somebody, like like yeah, like a refrigerator misses a guy, then the guy gets hit by like an oil barrel, <laughs> just out of nowhere. And that's the moment where I'm like, we are actually fully committing to this. Oh my god, like this, and this is not to like critique the other series because I actually do like the other ones, but it feels like the Lupine series has maybe been a little hesitant to go like as fully goofy as something like the early part one episodes or something like part three or part two and, and just having like a gag like that occur and then having them riding out on literally like a tidal wave of whiskey on like a little raft, just throwing puns back and forth at each other. And then you get like, you get all this chaos that cuts to like the outside with the U S troops just like chilling out. And then you just hear them go like, what's that sound? And then like just a whiskey tidal wave wipes them all out. And you have all that silliness, but then you have this running theme of Jigen and his lighter. Like the opening shot is, is Jigen flicking his lighter on and it works when he and Lupin are together and they send off the fireworks and they make their grand escape and Jigen's ticked off that this thing's like, you know, messed up, but they're still like, you know, they're still running side by side. You know, Shinobu catches up with them. They get split apart. And then Lupin, oh my god, Lupin decides to uh, do build their first secret hideout by uh, like jackhammering directly into the roof of the school, which was amazing. Just all of those vignettes of like the uh, the hideout getting progressively smaller and smaller as they keep finding out that like their accommodations aren't working, especially that bit where they're like they're right under the staircase. I love that they get so desperate they end up in a, like a trash can, essentially. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, and Lupin finally has it when someone like, th- or Jigen finally has it when someone throws stuff away. It's like, <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that that whole like the start of episode four is literally because they're trying to look for a place to just chill, yeah, like, the, like their first hideout. Yep. And it's just so comedic because it's like, how about here? No, it doesn't fit. How about by where all the sumo wrestlers are training? <laughs> <laughs> that one got me really good, actually. <laughs> and But while you've got like all these wacky hijinks going on, you get these cutaways to Jigen, like in this little boathouse, just all alone. It's kind of rickety and he's, he's trying to get his lighter to work and it's just not working. We get two scenes like that, I think. And those correlate with moments where like there's kind of a fracture between them. And it's it's also just wholesome because it's specifically a fracture because like Lupin wants to take on U.S. soldiers. Jigen has had experience like, you know, I imagine Jigen like has been on the receiving end of like some mistreatment from the U.S. soldiers. So he's just trying to keep his buddy away from him. But Lupin's going to Lupin. And so, you know, he gets frustrated at him and they have that little rift. And the minute he loses Lupin, he loses the light in his lighter. And you get that wonderful scene at the end when they, they pull the heist off, they come back, they're all, you know, like they're all flustered from the alcohol and everything. And you get like this really warmly lit scene. You see a little sign above uh, where their little pipeline was going to be that says for Lupin and Jigen only. 
and then you get that wonderful little moment where he just flicks off. Wait, not even that. Like, like, like he, you, he has this look of contentment, and then he smiles and looks at his lighter and flicks it, and then the flame burns brighter than it has like the entire episode. And like, man, having that like genuine character work at the center of this is just so delightful to have in a series like this because it it you, like your brain kind of like goes through what like it could have been just cheap nostalgia like here's how we got the jacket here's how we got we get how here's how I got the gun but here's how I get the gun here's how I got this this is why he says this catchphrase but instead we get like literally the natural progression of their relationship and you literally see them win each other over and that culminates i'll go ahead and get to it in episode five the lupin's first heist which i i i love that scene just so much and and, and it's like natalie said it, it can be seen like many different ways like like i think it's valid if you if you view it romantically if you view it platonically whichever way you view it like you know i i, I think it's written so I think there's such nuance to it and it's so wonderfully done that you can see it anyway. And like, like honestly, like I, 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 I like it both ways. I, I, I like the romantic subjects of it. I like the, you know, the non-romantic because um, uh, I believe it was, um, it's uh, Katie in our discord server talked about this scene and the relationship and how like it, it, it kind of like shows the bond between the Lupin gang. And it's hard to put a label on that, like specifically, like, like it kind of transcends that and, and and that scene really showcases it. But it also this is kind of kind of a tangent. W- one aspect of part five that I've talked about in the podcast that always kind of irked me a little bit is in the first arc. They do like these little references where Internet people are like shipping Lupin and Jigen and Jigen has a very like vehement like reaction against it. And that always kind of read to me just a little too mean spirited against fans like that where it's kind of like it just kind of felt it kind of felt gross in a way just kind of like okay you don't have to like do it this way and like the, the, there's a the bit with um with Zenigata and Lupin where Ami's like clearly you two must be in love and then like Zenigata like pulls a gun on him and it's like they read his gay panic moments but like this Lupin Zero is written by the same guy so like it, honestly it kind of puts those scenes in a bit of a different light for me, if that makes any sense, because it almost reads like those scenes were acknowledge- acknowledgments of that. Like they were trying to do like a jokey acknowledgement, but maybe it just came across kind of like not the way they intended. It was kind of a tip of the hat to, you know, people who do have that reading, but, you know, maybe not the most well thought out because it, and, and sorry, my thoughts are kind of all over the place here. But the fact that Okuichi like follows it up with this scene kind of improves how I view like, you know, his writing and those scenes in general, like, Oh no, like he actually does have like a very, like a very insightful view on the relationship and, and like a very sensitive betrayal of like portrayal of it for people, for, like for people who do view it like as romantically, if that makes any sense at all. Like I'm currently trying to look for, um, um, what Katie said mm-hmm. and I found it. So to quote her, she said, 
here's a kid who like, yeah, he loves Jigen. He isn't afraid to show or state it, whether it's familial, romantic, etc. Personally, I think they have a relationship that defies any labels. And that's so different from other action heroes that are too cool for feelings. And she says, I flipping love that. <laughs> um they have something that had that she continues by saying they have something I've only seen with couples married for 50 years and Frank and Oz, Frank Oz and Jim Henson's friendship. It's like an Emma <laughs> added the Tumblr screen cap of I don't want a boyfriend or girlfriend or a partner or even a best friend. I just want whatever the fuck Lupin and Jigen got going on. <laughs> and, and as someone who has kind of something more the friendship, honestly, the platonic level as someone who has a Jigen Lupin relationship platonically with her best friend, it's an amazing relationship, but it's easier to, to call that out for us because we're women and women can easily, what do you call it? Um, express feeling women easily express feelings more than men do because unfortunately thanks to tox toxic masculinity, it's, it's a hard conversation for men. <laughs> it, it, it's hard, but the fact that Lupin and Jigen, these very, yes, they have their game moments. But what they do is very hetero classified to have this level of love and friendship. It's like, yes. Sorry. Go ahead, Drew. <laughs> no, that's all good. And I, I'm going to get, boy, I'm going to get really corny and sappy here. But like, I don't know, just that bit where like Lupin's first heist is literally like winning someone over and stealing their heart. I mean, like. And the, the, like, I'm going to just hear like a, a, a parade, like, like just a sea of booze from people listening. But like, isn't that just like what happens to us? Like when we watch Lupin or like, like when we discovered it. Why you got to call me out? Like, <laughs> like I, I did not want to cry and remember what it was like when I was thirteen, Drew. Thank you. <laughs> I was just gonna say I'm 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 gagging over here. I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm gagging on love. It's just like I, I I don't know. Just like this this series has meant so much to me in like just how much fun I've had with it. The people it's like introduced me to, like some of my best friends, like like I could ever have. And I don't know, like, I see that scene and see it, like, I just see Jigen, like, you get the bit, like, you know, Lupin, like, you know, touches his heart and you get that bit where he looks up and I'm like, that's just like, that's just me. <laughs> like, you know, he's just, he's just like me for real. Um, <laughs> Hear the heartbeat and the snow is falling. He, he wasn't doing that to Jigen, I feel. He was doing that to the audience. Did I steal your heart? Breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, very, very. exactly. Because when he says it, he's like, "Yeah, I still." I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> I mean, I mean, Lupin is very much like Deadpool and Beetlejuice in the musical, where he does break the fourth wall sometimes. He's he's whistled his own damn theme song at one time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's just like that. That scene means. Because I I know that means to a that scene means a whole lot to a lot of people who do like who do view their relationship as romantic, which I like really appreciate that they were like willing to have something like you know that kind of sensitive and nice, but also like it also has that like there there's so many layers to it. It's such like a nuanced scene because like you know you've got you know the, the relationship with Lupin and Jigen, but then you also got like it's literally like that's us. <laughs> 
that 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 really brought home just the um I, I just love the character work between it. They really earn the forging of their partnership and you you get like like oh yeah, this is why they're together like fifty years on. It's not just like, you know, they meet, they do some hijinks, like, hey, you're all right. It's like like, you know, there's a little back and forth, there's a little fracture at one point, but then, you know, Lupin always steals your heart in the end. Oh, oh that explains why I'm diabetic. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Could this be could that be considered a call forward to Castle Cagliostro? You know? Ending? Maybe. Yeah. With Dinagata and Clarice? I think so. I, I, I think that's like, I think that's a good way to do a Cagliostro callback, by the way, because like, it's not, it's not because, and again, I, I do think it's kind of cute, but the one moment that did make me roll my eyes in the series, I'm sorry, was in episode two, the bit where Lupine does like the, and then like a little feather pops out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, I've seen the castle. Yeah. Cagliostro. Yeah, Thanks you, for reminding me again. You remember Cagliostro? Like, Cagliostro. <laughs> but I, I, I do like the little nod here of like, like when when there's some effort put behind it, we're like, you know, you're kind of like, oh, wait a minute. That's like a callback to that line where it's like, you know, he's, he did sell something precious, you know, your heart. And Zenigata would know because anyone Lupin comes in contact with and becomes like, forges that bond with, he's going to steal your heart, whether you admit it or not. But even then, that's not the first time that, I mean, I feel like that's, I don't know the name of it on um, TV tropes because I just know it by storytelling tropes mm-hmm. being a theater major a theater student scholar here um that common trope of like the treasure i steal is honestly your heart that is a common trope in lupon itself because you know how like with like james bond you have like the the bond girl and with and with lupon you have the girl mm-hmm. of the week the lupon girl i can think of, i can think of i can name maybe a dozen times where there's a story with a lupon girl and the lupon girl Honestly, her heart does get stolen, stolen, not in a romantic sense by Lupin, mm-hmm. but either by fascination or platonically. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, like Lupin the third, the first, for God's sakes, like Letitia's heart kind of got stolen, but more on a fascination aspect. Mm-hmm. She's fascinated by this thief and the legacy they, and the, the shared legacy they both have because of their grandfathers mm-hmm. or even something like, I can't remember the name of this part two episode. But it's that girl who very much has a crush on Lupin. She's also like a Beatles fan. Nina. Yeah. Like- yeah, that one. You know what part two episode I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. She did get her heart stolen by Lupin. Literally. Like, <laughs> not her heart, literally, but like, literally from an affectionate standpoint. So yeah, it's now, such a common Mary trope Hood Lupin. has his heart stolen by, by Lupin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been huge for state. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never, I'm never gonna recover financially from this. <laughs> <laughs> now, one other motif. Uh, point, I'm sorry, my, my thoughts are kind of scrambled all over the place. And I do have an ultimate point I'm going to get to. But yeah, one you motif, haven't even talked about episode six yet. I know. I'm going to. <laughs> mm, mm, <laughs> uh, but one motif I really liked in a uh, in episode four and five. I'm, I'm going to guess it was intentional, but like I loved how. The uh, all the hijinks with Lupin and Jigen have always been like in really kind of like, like, like it's always kind of bright and sunny. But specifically in episode four, when they start to have their rift, literally, like it becomes like overshadowed by clouds. And when they get to like their complete separation, it starts raining and it's like you know, kind of dour. They do the big heist and it kind of clears up, and but like there remains this 
just kind of like these clouds over the city when in episode five, when the main like story picks up of, you know, like the atomic cannon. And then that changes in episode five, when Lupin like decides he's going to become Lupin the third and pulls his first heist, it starts snowing. That overcast gloom becomes like something beautiful, which I just thought was like a really nice touch to it. It's like, like it's kind of like the weather becomes like this, kind of this moving backdrop kind of like sh- like showcasing like you know the whole character development like the inner like struggles with the characters it's just like it's so cool I, like i didn't pick that up until this watch where i'm like wait a minute that feels deliberate and i love it boy i was really not paying as much attention as everybody else was for the series <laughs> but i still liked it just as much <laughs> <laughs> and as Ian mentioned at the beginning of the show like seeing lupin like just get completely just washed by Gaucho was also a nice like reminder that he's still just a kid. Like he's still not Lupin the third yet. And not only is he still just a kid, like there's that line in the beginning of episode where Lupin just kind of realizes, you know, like, Hey, I don't think, you know, like that life is exactly like the movies. And like, that becomes like a constant, like kind of theme in these last two episodes where like, you know, he kind of shows up gallantly to save Yoko. And like, you know, he, he undoes the lock like really sneakily. So he's getting there, but then Gaucho just, just mops the floor with the kid. It's bodied. It's almost. It's hard to watch. It is. It really it, like is. it is yeah, hard to watch. It like, is. The Valentine's Day Massacre. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> and like one thing that kind of surprised me was, was a how it like it like embraced kind of that as you mentioned like it was hard to watch and like it's just that moment was just sad because like at, at that point like you know Yoko tells him like you know it's just like you know this is trouble between two adults yeah. like you know just go on. And like he doesn't even just say it, he just says you know like but you know, like he hangs his head down and doesn't say a word and just walks away and like man I'm starting to get a little emotional watching it I wasn't expecting you know to, to kind of go to this place and I appreciated the Yoko Gaucho storyline and as a uh, the, the Ian you brought that up too how like it's kind of a mirror yes. of like what 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 Lupin and Jigen are because like they're they are like tethered to each other. I, like that kind of parallel going on there. And while I, I, I have seen some complaints that like Gaucho might be a little underdeveloped and that like it may resolve a little quickly. One of my gripes with a lot of Lupin TV specials in some series is how like there'll be side characters who could be compelling, but they kind of take up a little too much of the runtime. Like Dead or Alive, the film is like a good example of that where I like what they're going for, but I came to watch a movie called Lupin the Third, Dead or Alive. You know, not Oleander and Prince Panish, Dead or Alive. Dead or Alive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, hot take, I kind of feel that way about Letitia and Lupin the Third, the movie the first. I, I, I can see that too, where, where it's kind of like, I, I would rather it be, you know, well-written, if not like a little undercooked, than... Gosh, you know, it's been, you know, about a whole episode since we've seen the Lupin gang. I wonder what he's up to. I think, um, just real quick, I think, like, Lupin falls into that pitfall of, like, with the side characters, they're either overdeveloped to the point where Lupin and G- Lupin and the gang are not in, in it as much, or they're, com- they're interesting, but they're under the, they're underdeveloped, and sometimes mm. to the point where it makes their motivate, you kind of question their motivations. Yeah. That's very much how I feel with, um, women called Fuchiko Mine and, um, Binkman, you know? Like, I get he's a crony. Oh, Fujiko Mine's lie? Yeah, yeah, Fujiko's lie, excuse uh, me. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel that way with Binkman. Like, I get he's a crony, but 
Yeah, no. You're interesting. Mm -hmm. I want to know just a tiny bit more about you. Mm -hmm. Like a twinge. And I guess this will like cross over into episode six. And this is where I like kind of wrangle my thoughts together here. (laughs) I found Gaucho very interesting because, and and I I won't get some of uh, y'all's input here before I like, you know, kind of wrap everything up and, and talk about the episode further. But like, is the implication when Jigen fires the cannon at the ship that Gaucho like did not arm it with an atomic weapon because they have like one warhead and they're preparing to launch it. And when Jigen turns it back and fires, it's like, it's not a nuclear weapon. I think it's because they, my impression of it was that Lupin and Jigen switched out the warhead. It's part of their okay. plan because immediately afterwards, Jigen says something to the effect of, wow. And this is what it can do without a warhead. No, meaning he knew it okay, didn't have yeah. it when it shot. All right, so that, that makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of like an off-screen, like a little switcheroo they yeah. pulled. Which is interesting because that's very, um, it's a warhead. That's very, like, physic, you know, nuclear physicist kind of thing for mm. two fucking teenagers to do. <laughs> uh, I like to think that, I like to think that uh, in my head that, that they, like, just took it and they, like, threw it somewhere and then, like, Shino- Shinobu, <laughs> Shinobu, Shinobu, Shinobu walked up and she was like... I knew I couldn't leave those two alone. <laughs> <laughs> she like, she like, uh, she, like, she like gets like a little broom and dustpan, like yeah, exactly, Okay, that's going into more like confusing detail. Put in the X Files theme here if you must, because I am so confused now. <laughs> but like, I, I, I found Gaucho like interesting because he is at one point. And and this is also going to tie into how I feel like this is like a really nice kind of like homage to part one where like he is sympathetic, I think, because like, you know, he's like he's a revolutionary. Like he like he, he, he wants to like, you know, get people out of oppressive systems. I'm sure he has legitimate gripes with the national like like, you know, the national diet of Japan. Like, you know, he helped in Vietnam and all these places. And you can tell he's very passionate, but he's also like that guy who's taking it just like one step a little too far by, you know nuking japan again i don't know like he kind of recaptured that villain someone kind of like poon in episode nine of part one where like he's sympathetic but he's also like deeply flawed mm-hmm. and ultimately like you know taking like you know the wrong decision has to like you know be stopped by lupin and that really got like solidified by the uh, the final showdown they have like you know it's big and explosive and lupin's like you know avoiding like all the artillery he's fire, he's firing at him, but you get that final bit where it becomes like a hand to hand fight, and Lupin pulls the switcheroo with a Walther, and specifically in that moment, the sound goes out, and it becomes the instrument like it, it's the instrumental of the end credit scene, but it's like a just a sole person whistling it, and that is something straight out of a Masaki Osumi Part One episode. It's that melancholy, the villain realizes he's been bested and kind of realized, kind of realized like, you know, the error of his ways, like, you know, his hubris got like a little too big and he has, you know, just a really like sad ending, that raw kind of melancholy from those part one episodes just like really came out there. It kind of ties into that whole episode because it kind of feels like it, it earns the fan service it has in that episode, like Lupin having his outfit. Like, there's been all this wonderful character development between him and Jigen and all this. And like, that's something also straight from the manga. That's like his outfit from that. Like he's kind of like, he's fully embraced becoming Lupin the third. And also like how they kind of play with that with Jigen. Like, you know, they didn't like 
a lesser series would have had Jigen like straight up in like, you know, a full suit and tie as a kid. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> but like, I, I, I liked how subtle it was. Where it was like, you know, a black leather jacket, but with that blue shirt from part one and the black pants and his hat. And then you get that moment that, that literally just feels like they're just pulling a Masaki Osumi of like, you know, having, I don't know, like it felt like that, that that's the kind of fan service that was like just more than earned. And, 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 and we talked about it in the last episode. It's, it's, it's the callback that's not cheap. It's done with love and care. And before I get to the, the wackier stuff, because I do want to talk about the wackier stuff. And I'm sorry I'm going on so long. but uh, All of us did, so it's okay. <laughs> um, Yoko's death, I definitely understand the criticism of it, like, being kind of, you know, refrigerator situation. Like, I, I did kind of feel like, oh, man, like, that's how she's going? But I'm also like Natalie. Well, you know, some people got really upset about it. Some people were more perplexed. I, I, I'm kind of with both minds about it. Where like, I, I don't like that it happened, but I also kind of get the story beat as to why it happened, and I kind of appreciate what they were going for overall because it's that, it's again that line where Lupin said, you know, life's not like a movie, and him coming to that realization of like, you know, he came to rescue the princess and everything, but like then life happens and uh, gravity happens. Um, <laughs> but like both bitches. Um, I don't know. Like I, 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 I do, I do very much get how it's like, you know, it's a refrigerator situation, but also like it, it's that really kind of nice writing parallel when you had that scene with Lupin the second saying, you know, like, like, like you got to be serious about this. Thieving is a two way street. You got to like, it's not just about what you steal. And you're always going to lose some things. And Lupin, like he's saying, have you have you lost stuff? I'll get to that also. But like he like he experiences like his first like big loss. And like as Natalie mentioned, that that's something that's going to affect him for his entire life. But I don't know that, that, that that's like like an effect you see. Like I don't know that that's maybe like why he keeps his gang so close, and maybe why he pursues Fujiko, and he's so protective of her and jealous of her. And like, you know, it, it, it because Yoko is a very Fujiko like character, mm-hmm. especially there, there was one scene that like kind of threw me for a loop in episode four, the bit when she's with that uh, U.S. colonel and she's like in the full dress and she's like kind of schmoozing him and like getting the information out of him. And I'm like, oh, wait, like that is like that's Fujiko. The impression she left and like losing her, like I get why Lupin just immediately gets fixated on Fujiko and like, she becomes like his entire world and everything. Like I, I, again, I do understand the gripes. I was kind of like, man, that's like, that's kind of good character work for Lupin. I get it. Like it's, I get the gripes. Cause like, it's also like, you're killing off a character, like you're killing, killing off as Chris said, killing off the woman to make the main character sad, which like, yeah, I don't like that, but also get it. So I'm I, I, like, I'm still kind of like of two minds about it. Ultimately, like, I, I get what they were going for. But getting to how that ties to Lupin the Second. Oh, my God. Lupin the Second <laughs> is also one of my favorite characters from this series. And I'm, I'm going to say something that, like, some people might, like, I, I can get why some people would say it's, like, kind of controversial. But I don't mean it, like, in a, to disrespect Yasuo Yamada at all. Like, because I, I, I do appreciate that Yasuo, like, I do appreciate, I love that Yasuo Yamada got to come back after Fuma and like, you know, he got some great TV specials, but in an alternate world, let's say 
where Fuma conspiracy, if that was the cast that like became like the cast moving forward just for budgetary reasons or whatever, I think Furukawa would have nailed it and would have still been nailing it to this day. I think he nailed it in Fuma conspiracy and I think he nailed it here. The, them getting him back. A, I, I mentioned in the last episode, it just feels like it feels such like nice vindication for an actor who in both by us and Japanese fans has always kind of been just kind of brushed aside as like, Oh, the one off loop line. Like, and you know, he wasn't that good. And I'm like, eh, I disagree. I thought he did his best back in the eighties. And I think he's like doing even better now because he's also not doing an impression of Yasuo Yamada or Kenichi Kurita. Like he is doing his loop on much like a uh, Tasuku Hatanaka is doing his Lupin <laughs> as, uh, as you know, as young Lupin the third here, I think he could have still been playing Lupin the, it, it, in another universe. I can see Furukawa taking over Lupin in the eighties and remaining to this day. I know like, I, and that's not to say like, you know, Yasu Yamada shouldn't have come back. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> I'm just saying that I think he did a fantastic job and I really, really, really hope he gets to come back and play him again in something. I don't know. Please. Telecom, TMS. <laughs> Are you listening? Bring back Lupons a second, please. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on par with Emma. Like, forget him playing Lupin the Third. Bring him back as Dad. Like, <laughs> yeah, come on back. Yeah, come on, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> just like that, because he's a goofball. But just that, that effortlessly cool. Like his first line of dialogue. When he shows up on that base, he's like, oh, man, that's a big whopper. And it's like, oh, man, like he's got like he's got the swagger. And like he kicked that goon. And oh, my God. And I was like, oh, no, he's hot. (laughs) It's that perfect balance because like he shows up and he like he back like like, like he hits that one dude, kicks the other guy. And he's like, ah, look at that. And then moments later, he's like, like, like trying to get like handsy with Shinobu and she pinches his hand and he looks like a little hurt puppy dog after she does that. Which is also like father, like son, a hundred percent. Well, speaking of which, like just the um, thinking of um, how much Lupin the Second is very much, you know, Apple didn't fall far from the tree. Um, that with that chase scene and just how like you know how like the silu- the the silhouettes and how like their specific poses to get through them. Just the way he does them is just oh lord, it's just like uh, and then like uh. And then like the one pointing to the side. That one's my it's favorite. Just like <laughs> that one's also my favorite because by that point, like he's he's like he's kind of like frazzled through the first loop. But when we get when he gets to that one, he's like upset. <laughs> he's, he's doing this goofy pose and he's like, <laughs> like I'm tired of this shit. Again, it's it's it is very much father like son. And also, real quick, Ian, I uh, when you mentioned when we spoke last about how you there, if you looking back on it, you could kind of tell Fulon. Lupin the second was Fulon in disguise. I rewatched that episode just because of Albert mm-hmm. a, a couple days ago, and I was and I had that that thought in mind when I was watching it, and I was like, Fulon acted very parent like to Lupin, even though there was moments like you know the way they were posing and like the crotch was close to the face or the moment of like, okay, you're going ahead. Don't do no ladies first bullshit. <laughs> Even though Lupin could have totally gotten hurt. It's like, yeah, that how the hell was Fulon being very parent? Like, Oh, that's right. Secret his dad <laughs> underneath. I do love that though, that he Fulon, uh, Lupin the second made him go ahead Cause it's like, go for it, son! <laughs> 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 oh, it's like the it's like the George Lopez of dad, I don't know how to swim. 
picks the kid up, throws him in there. <laughs> now you got to learn. <laughs> That's literally it. <laughs> well, on, on the subject of Lupin the Second, there's one thing I want to say, which is um, I had to think about how to represent the dialogue between the two of them because Lupin calls him Oyaji, which is kind of like a very chummy way of saying dad. And I did mm-hmm. not want to use, normally in other shows, when I come up against Oyaji, my default is to go Pops. But I did not, I did not want to use it in this show because we already know Pops is a kind of a term that he always uses for Zenigata. And I didn't want to mm-hmm. make any sort of reference that this is what he it was this connected in some way. So I was like, man, how do I do a friendly way of saying dad? And eventually I settled on daddy and uh, it's very fitting for the era. Yes, yes, I thought it yeah. as well, and I was really content with that. But there was one line where I I made it just dad because you could tell you know Lupin was being very serious about it, and that's when he bows his head and he's like, "Thank you." Mm. Um, but I also wanted to have that playfulness reflected in Lupin the Second, who refers to him as Segare, which is kind of like saying you know my son, another way of saying like my kin or whatever. But I was like, mm-hmm. okay, if he if Lupin the Second is Daddyo, then Lupin baby Lupin is going to be kiddo. So yeah, <laughs> and just kind of just kind of yeah, just kind of building that that kind of relationship mm-hmm. in the dialogue, I thought was pretty fun. It's, it's such a great little touch too. Yeah, that that dialogue, the way you translated it, it was very 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 heartfelt. It's like that, mm-hmm. and also um, the the conversation between Yoko and Lupin before Yoko yeah. dies. Yeah, it's like um, long story short, but. I don't care about spoilers and, and Guillaume had watched it. And I told him, please tell me how it is because I can't wait until I get off work. And he's like, okay, fine. Very begrudgingly five minutes, like 30 minutes later, Natalie, I'm not going to tell you because I cried and you will cry. <laughs> and then I get to that scene and I'm like, mm. <laughs> it was the dialogue that got me more than her death. So I just needed to know if Lupin the second Shinobu made it out. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to know. I was like, is that are they good? Good? Okay, we're good. Yeah, I don't I I don't care for spoilers. I really don't. <laughs> I think I think uh this one thing that makes this series so good, obviously, is that if you go back and rewatch it, there's just so much it's like a whole different experience. It's like you know when you it rewatch is. episode three, you you you're aware that Fulon is actually looping the second. Everything she says is now totally different contextually. And mm-hmm. the same thing happens in episode five. I noticed some people on Twitter and Reddit were very smart and they caught on to the fact that when uh, you see the scene, uh, <laughs> it's actually a fun scene because it's the only time in the show that I allowed myself to use the F-bomb was when the Yakuza show up and they're they're threatening um, Shinobu. And anyway, but uh, you'll notice that Lupin the Second runs in, he goes, you take care, of, take care of things down here. And then you don't see Shinobu again until she somehow leaps on the roof. And at that mm-hmm. point on, that Shinobu is actually Lupin the Second. So, and then you rewatch that whole scene, episode five, you're like, oh, okay, so not only are, are Lupin and Jigen having this moment, but they're having it in front of his dad. And it's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you know, it's it's not an episode unless I interrupt you three or four times. But <laughs> I was going to say, Ian, it, it's interesting that you wanted to go with uh, Daddy-O for Pops because that was how TMS used to translate Lupin's nickname for Zenigata was his daddy. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. was, wow. There's, there's another layer to this onion now. <laughs> right. But unfortunately, it's not a very good smelling layer because 
that you know, does not work no, in this context. No, I don't think it works in this any kind no. of context at all. Which, no. is, which nah. is why I'm glad that, yeah. you know, discotheque. I, I think they did mostly with part two. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, because like for discotheque's release, they go with pops. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I love that. Um, <laughs> But no, I, actually, I, uh, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't pick it up on first watch, but on rewatches of episode five, I'm like, oh, yeah, like Shinobu, mm-hmm. like her demeanor is also kind of different. Mm-hmm. He's a bad influence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he's a bad influence. And then, the, you know, the moment when he uh, when Lupin, you know, says like, you know, like, I'm going to be my own thief, like go my own way. Like you kind of see like, I think it, is that the moment he, at some point he lowers the gun. Yeah, yeah. When he like kind of comes to terms with like like oh this is the path like he's choosing to take and I'm like not going to stand in his way, it's almost like episode six is like you know okay, one last test. <laughs> I like to make sure like you're actually cut out for it. Also, it's very on par with like seeing your kid coming out. I mean, because if you're going to take it the gay way, in a sense, he came out to in front of his dad, and he's just very much like oh okay, so my kid's queer. Love it, love it. Get on with that gay shit, son. <laughs> Which makes Loop on the second even cooler. Exactly. bag um, babe <laughs> like Shinobu, who in that final scene in that outfit. Ooh, yeah. My oh, wife. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm also looking like a Bond girl. <laughs> I mean, well, very. <laughs> actually, you know, it's kind of great. Y'all, y'all literally just did a segue from what I was about to talk to. Good. Um, so like, 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 like the, the last thing I want to touch on before I actually wrap up here is uh, uh, sh- uh, f- before she, uh, you know, passed away in episode six, I like had made a joke in the server f- and when, when episode five aired, I'm like, I'm sorry, Yoko, but there's someone else. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> uh, but man, dude, Shinobu is awesome. I, as Emma mentioned, I, I need a, I don't care if it's a movie or a TV special or another, like, you know, limited series. I need TMS and telecom to give me it's in some shape or form more loop on the second in Shinobu because Shinobu is awesome. When she shows up and just like roundhouse kicks those Yakuza guys coming after her. And she's like, you know, um, uh, I forgot what was her exact line of dialogue there. I'm running a blank. She's paid to clean up yeah. the filth. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is like, <laughs> like again, woo. serving real <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. To, to, uh, to, uh, to, to quote Sunny straight in, uh, the uh, what's the episode? Ghost Town, the one called Fujiko Mine. Mama, <laughs> <laughs> but legit, the, I I love Shinobu there because it reminded me of literally my favorite character from Helsing, Walter. Because there's a moment in um, OVA two of Helsing Ultimate where Walter like goes to fight against the zombies, and he's like, "Look, yes, I am the butler, but I was originally a fucking a motherfucking vampire hunter." So cool. I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> my my dumbass just wants to put Shinobu in my fanfic now without ruining my own continuity, and it's like I gotta put her in there though, cause she chef's kiss, bro. <laughs> but I, I, I'm gonna sound like a complete doofus here, but like, cause you know, I'm, I'm like, oh man, Shinobu's awesome. Like, you know, huh. all right, got a new wife, <laughs> and then episode six happens, and that bit where she like rescues Jigen, and like, I just. Literally became like full on anime character, like nosebleeds that like rocket you like back out of frame. You kind of like, well, <laughs> did the wolf howl? <laughs> <laughs> but like to wrap up now, officially, I'm a, I was kind of beating around the bush with this last time, but I think I can actually like say it fully. Th- this is my favorite modern 
piece of Lupin media. Like since I first got into the series, like with the simulcast with part four, this is probably like this is probably my favorite that has come out just because just the love for like what's come before in the franchise, specifically part one in the manga and like the, the, the love for part one in the manga and also just the focus on the relationship of Lupin and Jigen, like naturally building and like that being at the forefront. Cause I, I was wondering if we were going to get like a little Fujiko or like, you know, like, you know, a teenage, like Zenigata, like beat cop. And ultimately I'm glad we didn't because that would have been a distraction. And like, I, I I'm actually really impressed with how focused and how I kind of pointed this was. Uh-huh. And, and I also like, as Ian mentioned, like going back and watching the episodes, how the narrative just naturally got kind of like pieces itself together. You get little bits here and there and they all interconnect at the end, which is like kind of the same thing that uh, the woman called Fuchikomine in part four also did, which I, I think like is a really strong approach to take because it does have that Lupin episodic feel, but with a new like little twist to it where like it rewards rewatching it. This is something that you can rewatch too, like repeatedly. Oh, yeah, yes. Sure. Like, I said, like I said earlier, it's so easy to watch, but honestly, yeah, you get like those tidbits each time, and then like it's just so freaking enjoyable. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. I, I've never like got like angry watching it. Never like got bored watching it. Um, never wanted like an episode to be like felt like it was dragging or anything. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. like I mentioned, the pacing is perfect. I do joke that, yeah, episode two and episode four, even though they they involve elements of the three, as I call it, the three core storylines in this whole series, and they do felt kind of fillery, they're still wonderful. Like, I was, I I have minor nitpicks, but overall, like, I think. Again, this 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 hits on what I'm missing from the Lupin fandom since I got into it as a child. I, I don't think the last time I ever got that fulfillment um, since Women Call Fujiko Mine, but by then I was already an adult. And um, part four, because like part four, mm. like love, love it or hate it. I know people are like divisive over it, but part four had what I loved about it, zaniness, shenanigans still very much in that vein of Lupin is fun, Lupin is camp. Part Zero is elements of both Fujikomine, of that more adult tone, more realistic, but more heavier stakes storyline. But there's still fun and zaniness to it. Mm-hmm. Part four. <laughs> and I, I think that's, an, that, that's a big thing I like about Zero is that it walks that tonal tightrope excellently i feel like many lupon entries like in the recent and like kind of in the past kind of have like have an issue from time to time of being like maybe a little too kind of grim or dark but like like i, I feel like <laughs> this one sorry <laughs> i feel like this one again kind of like that this feels like so such a celebration of like what's come before and also like specifically part one because part one like has two different tones because of the production issues because Misaki Osumi episodes were more adult and serious and then Takahati Miyazaki like were goofier and there's that period where there's like the changeover where there's like that kind of tonal like blend 
Zero kind of feels like an homage to that kind of period, but it's also like in retrospect, like now here's how you blend that even better where you get kind of like the, like the melancholy, like adult seriousness, but with the zaniness of their hijinks as teenagers. And I, I, I just appreciate how it really handled that balance. Well, it did not stay. It's welcome stuck the landing. I think like for me with like minor complaint, like the, the, if I'm going to be like 100% honest, my only nitpick is the pettiest thing. And it's literally just a little Cagliostro feather thing where I'm like, oh, <laughs> but like if that's my only nitpick and that's like me, like just being kind of like petty about it, because honestly, it's still a cute little moment. It was cute that, because it was with Jigen. Exactly. Yeah. And if that's my only nitpick, man, that's good shit. <laughs> like <laughs> that. Quit being petty. <laughs> <laughs> Never. My nitpick is over. <laughs> Um, racist undertones with the little shaman girl. Yeah, but, that, oh, that, that, but, yeah that that would be my nitpick too. Yeah, but that's more of a personal issue because um, not just of what I study in history, but also because I do have Native, you know, Native American, Native Mexican in me. So it's like, yeah, way to keep representing my people in not a flattery light, Japan. Because I've seen how y'all depict Mexicans in some of your anime. And yeah, yeah, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> yeah, so, so really, like, really, episode two only has like the, the like the little nitpicks, and like, and even with that one, I, th- I think we talked about it in the Discord server a while back. It like it feels less like that is very unfortunate but it feels less like malicious like some things in say part two kind of do um uh, and it feels more it just feels more kind of like culturally ignorant where it's like right maybe, maybe read up a little more yeah. and, you know you know right and like it, 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 if those are the only nitpicks i have in like a, a series like this the man like that that makes me happy to like come out because the listeners can't see but like the whole time we've been talking about it, like i've just been beaming like this, this series <laughs> is like put such a smile on my face. Like, yeah. I'll always remember this because I, I got COVID for the first time during the airing of this season, like specifically last week. And like, my main thought was like, I am not shuffling off this mortal coil until I watched <laughs> the last Aww. episode of Fun Zero. <laughs> You're not getting Literally me yet. sustaining your life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It kept me alive. So, I mean, like, as someone who got COVID before this premiered, and as I felt like I was, you know, really sick myself, I was like, dear God, especially because I'm immunocompromised. I was like, dear Lord, every morning, if I die before Lupin Zero comes out, I'm going to be bitching in heaven. That's that's fact. I will be a nuisance up there. I will be, I will be like, seriously? Right before Lupin Zero. How dare you? <laughs> Y'all better live stream that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Where can I get a good streaming service up here in heaven? <laughs> I was just not sure if live stream is really the best. <laughs> <laughs> Death stream. <laughs> Sorry about that. I've always, wanted, I've always wanted to use the phrase film before a dead studio audience. How very... I th- you know what? They kind of did that in Beetlejuice the musical, so... <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Hey. Yeah, yeah no, I want to say, because they the, the can't see it, but also, you probably hear it in your voice. Um, Drew, you, you have looked really happy this recording. Yes. I've noticed. It, which is a stark difference. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my god! Now, now the audience is going to assume that Drew, every time we do this, is just like in a sour or sardonic demeanor the whole time. Great. <laughs> like, that's it. not the case, Drew. We're we're friends here. We have fun, but honestly, Drew has a glow to him, and it's not even like a pregnancy glow or anything. <laughs> but there, are, there also is a giant fluorescent light like above me, making me even wider than I already am. So. Oh, oh my god, I need sunglasses! <laughs> okay, see, uh, I have an explanation. Since last time we spoke, Drew has shaved off his beard, so we can actually see more of his face now. Ah, that's and true. That's true. true. Therefore, his emotions are more apparent, and man, this is really good radio. <laughs> our viewers cannot, or our listeners cannot see. You know, you, you may think I'm beaming because of, you know, the joy and high quality of Lupine Zero. No, it's just because I'm thinking about Shinobu in that last scene in, you know, in episode six. That's the only reason, you know, it's just, it's just like that meant. But no, for real, like it, it So it what, that's is. your horny face then? <laughs> I mean, that's been mine. <laughs> My name on here is literally Dilf Hunter. Lupin's dad is really, really rad. (laughs) I love that. that, I think he was everybody's like biggest surprise. Yeah. On how much everyone liked him. And like again, I'm going to say this very quickly because I will get us wrapping up. Like because I thought they were going to take the manga approach. He's like, oh, he's going to be like, he's going to be kind of mean and like this is going to be interesting. But then when he turned out to be like, you know. Like, you know, he's never there too much, but, you know, he's doing his best. He cares for his son. He's a little sweetheart. And I was like, oh, man. Yeah, you can see that he <laughs> he might be absent, but he genuinely cares for his son. Yeah. No, agreed. And I equated him to Goku. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how he was in the manga as well, to an extent. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, like, the fandom has a lot of, like, well, at least before the series, a lot of the fandom saw Lupin the Second in the manga as being about as bad as his father was. Mm-hmm. But if you actually go back and, you know, read the chapter in question, you find out near the end that the whole thing's just an act. Yeah. To see mm-hmm. if his son is really ready for the, uh, to take over the family business. Yeah. Like there's this really great, there's this really great panel where, you know, Lupin III runs off to uh, uh, get the police because he threatened his dad with that. And so Lupin II gets up and he has like this really genuine, you know, kind smile he looks over at Shinobu, and he's like, okay, you can put your clothes back on now. <laughs> I, I, like, I know, too, uh, Monkey Punch Daily, I think, wrote, like, if he's not, like, on a motorbike about to, like, kill his son, he ain't Lupin the second. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dang! <laughs> Good lord. That's my boy, suspicious to the end. <laughs> now hold on, son. This is gonna hurt me more than it hurt you. Oh yeah, that one. Well, on that note, I do miss a little bit dead, um harsh deadbeat dad Lupin. However, this is the series has given me a new appreciation for again with my fanfiction, it makes me and the way I wrote Lupin the third as a dad, it, it, it made it made sense. Because he does mm-hmm. the same thing with his daughter in my story. It's very much a this is not the life I want for you. You Fry flea, fry flea, free fly, whatever, little bird. <laughs> fly free, little bird. Do what you want, but don't do what I do. And then, you know, after she does what she wants, she's like, no, dad, I, I want to be a thief. Well then, kid, <laughs> vaya con Dios. <laughs> I know you said, like, harsh dad. Also, I want to bring up again that he made his son go ahead of him. <laughs> No. Exactly. <laughs> it's true. 
You can do it, son. <laughs> at, at least he didn't do what he. I'm. I guess I'm pointing out to that terrible scene in the manga where he's like, "This is how you are a, a blonde." Like, yeah, no, no, thank you, Dad. <laughs> it was an act. I, <laughs> you know who was in that too? I don't care if it's an act. That's still. Oh, that's terrible, Dad. I do not want to learn how to sexually assault somebody. I don't care if that's an act. That's something you don't joke with. <laughs> but to uh to bring it all to a close here, like to have this kind of series that has such love for the franchise while doing something very fresh and new, like fully centering it on like the relationship between Lupin and Jigen and like the relationship with his family, him forging his own path, and, and to have such like minimal complaints with it and like to have telecoms animation and also to have Ian's translation, like on top of all of this, like again, this is just the ingredients for my favorite Lupin thing, like in the last few decades that they've released. So like, I I'm, I'm so glad we got it. It may have been short, but man, I love like these past, these past five weeks or so has just been just such a delight. And yeah, it's like, been I'm so gonna, fun. It's been so fun. I'm gonna be riding that high like all year now, and I'm I'm gonna be like rewatching this thing like over and over this year. Same. I'll be coming back to this one very often. I agree. And anyone else have any final words they want to say on it, or are we about ready to? I do. Up? I have a few things that I kind of jotted yeah, down while you, you guys are talking about different stuff. Um, First thing I want to mention is I know we talked about how it's great. It's only six episodes and it's all over. But I also think it's very interesting. They did sprinkle in just a little bit. There are because I have to translate. I have to go through every line. And there, mm-hmm. as you know, in translation, context is king. So sometimes if they mention something and they give it zero context, it's very hard to be like, okay, so what is this really supposed to mean? So there are two instances where this happened that I'm like, okay, well, if they did want to make more, those are something they could build off of. One is, uh, I think it's episode five, but after Lupin II steals the atomic cannon, he's talking with Shinobu, and they, for some reason, his deal with Gaucho involved getting uh, missile locations in Russia, and she mentions a very Mm -hmm. throwaway line about creating a Lupin empire, and you're like, whoa, what is that? I'd like to know more, please, thank you. And then the second line is uh, in episode six uh, from Gaucho. Gaucho is on the ship and they're, they're waiting for the time for the government to respond. And he says something to the effect of, uh, what are our patrons saying? Um, so there, is, there was the implication that there is some sort of group that was behind Gaucho that was like wanting him to do this stuff. So I don't know. I mean, it could just be someone in the country that doesn't like the government, but it could be something more. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, and then, of course, at the very end of episode six, Lubin and G can talk about a casino heist. I'd totally want to see that. So, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are some crumbs to work off of someday if they want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be very interesting. Can you have a reference? Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Lupin Empire one definitely stuck out to me. Mm, I was yeah. like, mm. so- <laughs> hey, "Excuse me, <laughs> are you saying there's a chance?" <laughs> Go on. There's a chance for these two to come back. Okay. <laughs> so a thought just occurred to me. I don't think it's likely, but I didn't think Lupin Zero was likely either. <laughs> what if uh, this ends up leading to a you know loose adaptation of? the backdoor pilot to Monkey Punch's Pandora series, which takes place in modern day and has Lupin III teaming up with his father and grandfather. Hmm. Maybe, but on that thought, 
as much as I really do want Lupin the second and even Arsene Lupin to come back, I don't know if like as a con- I, I would want a continuation me personally. I just want them to come back in general, whether it's Lupin the second, like Emma with Lupin the second having his own series or heck um, bring back baby, you know, baby Albert and Lupin the first and make it like Batman and Robin. <laughs> some, sort of, some sort of shit like that. I do want them to come back in any way, shape or form, especially because I, I do believe that. I don't think that's, le- that's the legit Arsene Lupin of Maurice LeBlanc's writing. I like to think it's very much like that one episode of the wild thornberries where it was a Halloween episode where they think they're meeting a colleague, but it's just some random loco man in town who likes to impersonate other people for the shit of it. Like, I do think it's just some random son of a bitch who's like, Oh, Arsene Lupin's dead. I'll take up the mantle and pretend I'm Arsene Lupin. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Just seen a lot of imitations. It was like, yes, I am Arsene Lupin. I will steal your heart. Literally. (laughs) Um, I also lo- I love how Grandpa Lupin just rocked up like literally at like what was potentially ground zero for a nuclear strike and was like yeah I like to gamble <laughs> just like I want to see if he does it <laughs> like, God dude no fucks David <laughs> brought a child <laughs> what is the matter with you well that leads me to one other point uh, I have two actually but one this one's really short um, I remember when we talked in part six one line that stood out. I remember uh, came up was goddamn noise pollution. Um, yes. Well, I was thinking about that line when I translated the line from Jigen in episode six, where the chase kind of starts and he walks out of the room and he just says, goddamn crazy. To me so much. Goddamn crazy family. <laughs> oh you God. Know, I love that because like poor Jigen definitely comes from a dysfunctional family. Cause why the fuck would you bring your kid to war zones? Let him smoke and kill and shoot people. But also I love that in a sense, that's his re- that like many people who come from broken families, you look at other families and you think this is how families actually act. And he's probably <laughs> legit looking at that. Like, okay, you know what? My family's not that bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After seeing these fuckers, yeah, I'm okay. I, I think I ended up okay. So we didn't rig our entire house with crazy traps. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Dad lets me lets me smoke and kill people, but for fuck's sake, we do not have traps in this house. Fine. <laughs> um, and then, like, before I actually like sign us off here, I, I, I'm glad y'all brought that up because you reminded me of one of my favorite shots in that episode, which is where. Lupin jumps and throws all the smoke bombs and they just leave chaos. And there's just a shot where Jigen like exits the door and looks and it just pans over to Shinobu just like she's just <laughs> done. She's had enough. <laughs> there's no dialogue, but you just see this look on her face where she's just like, oh boy. She's like be tired. <laughs> yeah. Very much like Teacher Rogers just looking at that like, I don't get paid enough for this. <laughs> I, I think of the Lucifer line when he's doing like a confessional. He's like, uh, for your penance, ten Bloody Marys and a good shag. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the last thing I wanted to bring up was we talked a little bit about kind of the themes of the show. And one more theme I think it has is kind of just, uh, you can't really sum it up in one pretty sentence, but kind of how people change. Um, I think there's a lot of scenes where you can go back and you can see, uh, I guess maybe how people surprise you. Uh, so the first thing that comes to mind for me is Yoko, uh, at the beginning of episode three, mm-hmm. she has the scene where she's with Lupin in the bar and the guys come up and they're like, you're coming with us. And they pull their guns and she goes, I can tell someone who can shoot from someone who won't shoot. 
She repeats mm-hmm. that line later a few times. And it, the big part is in episode six, because she's totally convinced that she knows Lupin can't shoot. And mm-hmm. we, we as viewers kind of know more about Gaucho than Lupin does, because he's kind of like, you know, he just knows that it's the guy that, that beat up Yoko who, when he really didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so from his, his perspective, he's probably saving the day, you know, by shooting the guy. And he's got this new resolve now and he's changed. And I think it's so interesting to look at him in episode five when he's got that em- damn embroidered shirt with the L. And all I can think of is like fucking Richie Rich from the 1980s cartoon oh, series. No. <laughs> and we had this whole thing where Jigen's always calling him a rich boy and he's pampered. And I mean, episode yeah. one, he was like, what, in an adult club? He's got all this shit. Like he was living the life and yet he's mm-hmm. still not happy. And that it's that that's kind of the point of the story, right? Is he finds this thrill in thievery. And that's one of the other point I really like is uh, in episode four, uh, Jigen asks him to create the schematic or whatever. And he jots all this stuff down. I did, I did translate all of them, but I don't think we were able to fit all the captions on. But uh, one of them talks about, he's like, uh, I want a, a periscope so we can look outside. I'm, and it has a side note says, steal from a ship later. <laughs> and then later in the episode, <laughs> when he's built it by himself, he's using it to spy on Jigen. And I'm like, that's perfect. <laughs> he's already practicing his thieving chops. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny you mentioned that, Ian. And I wanted to mention this, but I couldn't find a good place yeah. to put it. And this is where I think we can end it off. Like I said, there's three storylines with this series. One of adolescence and finding your place in the world, particularly when you are you're already put on a pedestal by members of your family. Lupin, Arsene Lupin the first, I want you to be a very good thief. You can inherit the third. His dad, I want you to be, I want you to just be straight and narrow. This isn't really a life for you. Another theme is very much about um him with, with him becoming a thief and like what what is the expectation let alone the you know what this world is for him and of course friendship whether it be gay or whether it be platonically one thing i do notice with a lot of storylines where there's very much a thrilling aspect with um these characters and i have to give a shout out to the first episode of lupin the third part um part four with rebecca and and i say this because around that time i was watching better call saul and with Better Call Saul, you have um, the character of Kim Wexler, who does, you know, who's, who's very much in love with, with Jimmy, Saul's character, um, who later becomes Saul Goodman, and loves that he does have this past of being a con artist. And when they do cons together, she loves the thrill of it. But as a, a straight a straight laced lawyer she knows she can't do that all the time, but she loves that he fulfills that thrill for her. And the same thing happened around that time. I'm watching Lupin the Third Part Four, and that's what I sensed with Rebecca. And Rebecca outright says it. I see now why you do this for, and as before she jumps off, for the thrill. Mm-hmm. And that's what Lupin is, is learning. Part in, part in lies with the theme of finding your place in the world. And, it, and it's very much that kind of like the, the Hamilton song, Will You Ever Be Satisfied? For Lupin, he's never satisfied. And it's not like he 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 steals because, you know, he wa- he wants to. He steals because it's fucking fun. There's no real yeah, he has the Robin Hood elements and yeah, he's fucking over terrible people. But he learns as an adolescence, it's a thrill. It, it's literally a way to chase a high that he can't get from anything else. And this is a kid who who 
probably didn't try a lot of drugs to begin with, <laughs> but his, his drug is adrenaline and it's that adrenaline rush of the caper. And even then it, it, him, including Jigen for, for someone who has tried some hardcore shit, and I'm not talking about drugs. I'm just talking about what happened in his life with like, dad takes me to war zones, which come on. And dad, I've killed because of being in war zones. I've smoked because of being in war zones. Like this kid, again, came out of the womb, <laughs> cigarette in one mm-hmm. hand, whiskey in the other. But he already, <laughs> he finds a different kind of thrill that his dad isn't allowing him to have. And that is the thrill of going with Lupin and performing these capers. So yeah, this pretty much canonically cements why Lupin does what he does. Yep. It's it's very much for the thrill. So mm-hmm. there there is where I wanted to leave it off on that because that's one thing that the last episode really cleverly pointed out. And I was just like, it's like Carmen San Diego when when the challenges weren't weren't enough. Go be a her, thief her challenges like yeah. Yeah when, yeah, when you're done catching all the criminals for Acme, what do you do then? You become a criminal yourself. <laughs> <laughs> or to quote our friend Katie, be gay, do crimes. Because <laughs> that was literally her thesis. <laughs> be gay, do crime. <laughs> the end. There, I'm done talking. <laughs> no, 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 that, I think uh, that sums it up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that, that, that's kind of perfect. That, that's kind of like wraps up into... One whole little bundle. Man, I could talk about this series for hours and Me hours. Too. But I think we'll wrap it up here and like we're gonna have to come back to this at some point. I know like we did a we did a one year later for part six. We're definitely gonna do a one year later retrospective for Lupin Zero when that time rolls around. I'm looking forward to that so we can talk about it for hours on end again <laughs> because it, I don't know. Right now it's just like the series that keeps because I know we, like earlier I was like, you know, we're gonna wrap up, but then we just like found more layers to unpack because this thing's just that good. But you know, for here. We'll call it a night and also like, of course, going to thank Ian for joining us again and talk about it. And also, man, just like, thank you for all the work like you put in. It's it, it is a delight to watch a series like this and have your translation with it because it it just makes me happy. I enjoy doing it as much as you guys enjoy watching it. So we're all happy. <laughs> I was going to say it, it really well, on touching on the theme of doing what you feel thrilled. I like I really relate to that because I mean, I could have. Mm chosen a different life path very easily but i intentionally was like i want to do anime because it's fun and like there's so much interesting mm-hmm. things you get to do so i'm riding that high almost every day <laughs> and this this series in particular i think was such a treat and i'm re- was really honored to have my name attached to it and i'm really glad that the community especially you guys have uh, enjoyed it and let me know how much you enjoy it and i will continue to work hard to make sure that it continues in the future so on that note ian where can we find you on the the social medias? You can find me on Twitter at Zoid9000, Z-O-I-D-9000. Maybe one too many zeros, I don't remember. Anyway, um, <laughs> the account is locked, so you can't see it unless you follow it. But I will always, I generally, unless unless you're like some super like retweeting porn every day, then I might not. Then I might not. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> otherwise, I will probably accept you. So feel free to give me a follow. I try and tweet about translation stuff sometimes, but otherwise I'm just posting pictures of model kits and whatnot. Very nice. Very nice. And Natalie, where can we find you? 
Um, on Twitter at Kapli Helsing, C A P L I H E L L S I N G, and on Instagram at Captain C A P T A I N L I H E L L S I N G. Pretty soon I'll be posting some stuff coming up, um, written stuff, and also um, some other projects I have in mind now that I finally have the free time. I, I hate my job, but then my job also made me realize why I want to become an archivist. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Please be on the lookout for that. I will, if I don't promote them on there, I'll ask Drew kindly to promote them on the pod. Sweet. Um, and Emma, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter, E-M-M-A-W-O-L-F-E-227. I'm going to be completely honest. I've been on one lately. <laughs> I like, I like look back today at some of my like tweets, uh, January 17th when this comes out. And I was like on one, <laughs> like man, <laughs> I was feeling it. Um, and on Instagram at e m w o l f e two two seven, I will be attending a con here, uh, hopefully soon this coming weekend. And I'm hoping I'll feel well enough uh, about myself <laughs> to cosplay. We will see. I've watched the cosplays. That's the first start. And Chris, where can we find you? <laughs> Chris, wake up. Find <laughs> <laughs> me in bed. Sleep. Oh, we love yeah, you, Chris. Wake up. <laughs> um, sorry about that. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Furball, D-R-F-U-R-B-A-L-L. Uh, you can find most other places, such as... Um, Instagram and Newgrounds at Amazing Chris Godby, G O D B E Y. Uh, you can find my webcomics at weirdinacan.com and drawocoward.com. Drew, where can we find you and this very podcast on social media? Oh, well, you can find me on Twitter at DrewHunter15. That's D R E W H U N T E R 1 5. You'll find me retweeting just a bunch of various Lupin clips at the moment. And uh, also, by the time this episode comes out, pretty soon you'll find me uh, freaking out about whatever gets announced on the Discotech live stream. Yeah. I'll be talking about <laughs> how much money I'll be spending and draining my wallet once again. Um, hey, it could be worse, Drew. I'm going to Disneyland next week, so. <laughs> hey, we're all going to be broke. Yay. Yay. <laughs> broke bitches. <laughs> but uh, you can find our podcast on Twitter at Lupin Pod. That's L-U-P-I-N-P-O-D. You can find us on Instagram at the same at. And you can also find us on Tumblr at just at Cyburns and Cigarettes. And uh, you can find our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And uh, if you're feeling up to it on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts, if you want to scroll around and up on Spotify, down if you're on Apple Podcasts, and give us a rating and review, whichever one you want to get. But hey, if you want to, in the spirit of Lupin Zero, just going to give a hint. This Lupin Zero is a five out of five series. You know what I'm saying? You know, we if we've stolen your heart, please uh, rate us. Beat me to second. Well, I kind of want to steal someone's actual heart because mommy needs a new one. Not really, but I couldn't. All right, Arson. Hey, granddad. Are you are you asking for donors? Is that what this is? No. Because donor means you're giving it to me willingly. <laughs> okay, Natalie, look. Uh, 
I'm going to have to decipher these clues, and I'm each the hollow needle. We'll work this out. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> this is the shit. Let's get uh, get your passport because we're going to Normandy. We're going to Etayat. We got this. <laughs> <laughs> and next time you'll hear from us, we will be discussing very soon the brand new film Lupin the Third versus Cat's Eye, yeah. which. <laughs> I'm going to be on my best behavior tonight, despite the fact that I am usually petty by nature. I am going into it <laughs> with optimism. I'm trying my best. We're ripping the band-aid off. That's what it is. Yeah. In all seriousness, I, I hope it's good. I'm not thrilled with the animation, personally, but I hope the script's good. Yeah. I'm hoping so, I'm hoping it's the wicked of Lupin stuff where with wicked, the music was wonderful. The story was questionable. <laughs> this the animation already looks questionable but i hope to god the story at least is amazing that's all i can wish for we're, we're all gonna go in with an open mind so yes. and, and and we're gonna judge it fairly so honestly like it's kind of like i told emma i just kind of jokingly said like i'm both dreading it and looking forward to it at the same time like genuinely right. <laughs> kind of like hmm but also Hey, either way, it's new Lupin, so. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I'm like, I'm like Bob from Bob's Burgers. Fine, I'll watch it, but I'm going to be complaining <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Until then, Lupontic folks, have a good night. And hey, rewatch Lupin Zero because uh, it's good. Everybody watch Lupin Zero. If you haven't watched it yet, Go why watch are you listening? It. Why'd you listen to like, It's been two hours. Or do, <laughs> Why did you watch it? <laughs> Go watch it. And if you've already watched it, watch it again. Exactly. And then when you're done watching it, watching it again, rewatch it. <laughs> this is not a request. <laughs> this, is a, this is a goddamn demand. And then after you've watched it and rewatched it. Go on social medias and tell us how we were right. <laughs> exactly. We, we, we just want validation. We want the validation that our Lupin fathers never gave us. <laughs> uh, good night, Lupontic folks. Some we'll see you next time. Say... <laughs> I had to. Bye. Mitsumeru Ketsai,